On today's episode of Winging It, Vince and I are joined by MLB legend and Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr. We talked to Ken about his Hall of Fame career, the 2020 baseball season in the pandemic, and of course, Vince had to get some golf talk in. Coming up next, stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Winging it podcast. Hello and welcome into Winging It, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, Annie Finberg. As always, joined by number 15, Mr. Vince Carter. BC in the house, what's up? Still in the house. We are both still in the house and we are so excited because we are joined by... MLB Hall of Famer, 13-time All-Star, and there's a lot more I could say, but let's just intro him. Ken Griffey Jr. Yes, sir. And I'm in the house, too. <laughs> we can talk about all those golden gloves behind him, but we will get into that later. You see those, Vince? Hey, man, them things are shiny, too. You made your kids uh, shine those up every now and then? No, 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 no. They're behind the glass door, they, so they Hey, so they, no, just, they just no stay air. shiny. I love it. I love it. Man. Yeah. That's Actually, what's funny is I have one that's not. One is wide open because people always want to look at it and touch it. Oh, yeah. So I put that up. So they always feel like, and then they put it as like 10 to 15 pounds. They're like, oh, okay, never mind. Okay, here you go. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's awesome. Is it real gold? Uh, no, because I no, because I had a pond them a long time ago. No, I'm just kidding. Hell no. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it, you know, like they bronze baby shoes back in the day. It's the same same stuff. A little more gold on it, though. Gotcha. Not familiar with the bronze baby shoe, but... Uh, no, not me either, but that's like my parents' generation. You know, the ones that be hanging from the rearview mirror. Right. Uh, hey, they probably yeah. had, actually, they had our shoes. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just jump right into it. Let's do it. We are so excited to have you. I wanted to know, obviously, before we got on, you guys were talking about golf, because other than basketball and family, what else does Vince Carter talk about? Nothing. But... I wanted to know how you guys know each other outside of the game of golf, or is that how y'all met? No, we met. Oh, wow. That was a while ago. See, I'm a big basketball fan. Yeah, on top of that. And we lived in the neighborhood. Yeah, for a uh, long time. Lynn, we had Lynn Merritt. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. Nike basketball. So Nike, I would go to right. all the basketball games. Like right. for me, it's people that I know that I would go see, watch play, and, and VC was one of them. So right. I'd be like, okay. Uh, and plus the kids wanted to go. So it was the only time that we'd really get out is when like he would come to town or I was 
close to the city he was playing in. Yeah. Because, you know, our seasons, you know, somewhat overlap. You know, spring training is February. So, you know, it, you know, L.A., uh, Phoenix, I would be able to go. And then when I'm home, you know, you have that October, December. Playoff times or something. It depends. Yeah. yeah. Well, playoff times, y'all busy. I try to, we working too. That's true. Except this yeah. year, which is crazy because, you this know, with crazy. the pandemic, it was like, uh, I ain't I used to playoff. basketball. I meant time. preseason. Like, yeah, uh, preseason's oh, oh, For us? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would see y'all. I remember seeing a lot of the guys, especially in Florida, during that time. Mm-hmm. That's the only time that we can get off. And then randomly, uh, throughout, like I said, we both live in, in, in Orlando. So randomly throughout the summer, like he'll he'll be golfing with his his, his boys and I'm I'm out there and <laughs> randomly see him like passing like on a on a on a green fairway somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. man. I remember seeing um what did it what's the club course they just shut down when I saw saw you? Uh Grand Golly. Cypress. Grand Cypress. I, I remember where I was like on getting around a on a power three and I heard this. I was like, bro, that sound like Ken. And I was like, man, I look like him. And as y'all were going into the next T box, and that's when I saw you, you know, I mean it's just so random. I see him all over this all over town. Yeah, but it's mainly on the golf course. Mainly. <laughs> sounds sounds yeah. about right. Just like him. That's I mean, that's where I am. Yeah. You know, if I'm not at home. Yeah. So Yes, he's better ask, than me before you ask. Yes, he's better than me. I was, I know was that's, not, yes, you that are. Was, yes, you no, are. That was that's not okay. my next question, but it was on my list of questions. So thank it's you okay. for answering that. So he is yeah. better than you. It's very Absolutely. rare. So I do like to hear it because, you know, Vince Carter. He's here. had more time at at, at at it than I have. I'm gonna catch up. That's but okay. what I what I was gonna ask was Vince has talked about how golf has been a really good outlet for him since his retirement. And since things were kind of shutting down, he's been able to use that to kind of, you know, put his competitive spirit into, was it the same for you or have you always really been into golf and, you know, tried to play as much as you can with baseball? Yeah, it's really competitive. (laughs) I think if you're going to spend four hours with somebody, a minimum of four hours with somebody, you might like them. You know, that's the thing is that, you know, friends and family, uh, one shot to keep you coming back. But it is competitive. I mean, but it's you're competing against the golf course and nobody else, you know, because I tell everybody that I, people get back because I say it's a recreational activity that you can play today. You're 100 and any other sport that you can't. And people go, no, it's a sport. I go, yeah. Uh-huh. You drive a car, you smoke a cigar, you drink. Uh, I don't see any of that in, in baseball, football, basketball. I don't see nobody driving a car. But, you know, we, it's, I only do that to my, my professional golfer friends just to get them on uh, a little jabbing. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go out and shoot 63 on me and yeah. start laughing. So, but no, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a game that's a lot of fun. Um, everybody can play, can play it and you can enjoy it as a group. When did you start playing golf? Was it after, during your um, baseball? No, I actually started playing golf the day after the strike in 94, like really playing golf. Uh, I lived on a golf course um, in Cincinnati and I would just try to see how far I'd hit the ball as a kid. And, you know, it was just going out there swinging as hard as you can and whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. But kind of uh, like Bryson DeSambo now. Yeah. But he has an idea where he's going. Of see, course. At that age, I didn't have no idea. But, I, I mm-hmm. you know, when the, the strike hit, they said, hey, we, we want you guys to stay close. We don't know what's going to happen. And we all looked at each other and then, you know, it was Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner, Randy Johnson, Jeff Nelson. We were all just playing golf because it was just like, all right, we all live within about 15 miles from each other. Let's go meet at uh, Bear Creek Country Club 
and, and, and go play. And uh, at that time, I was probably losing dozen and a half golf balls around. <laughs> uh, but, you know, hey, you know, when you say, hey, I shot in the 40s on nine, that's when you're like, yes, I, I'm, I've arrived. But I hit, you know, I started off, I hit a big old slice because I was like, my baseball swing, my golf swing is not going to mess up my baseball swing. So I kept my baseball swing until I retired. Then once I retired, then I started focusing on, you know, trying to turn the ball over and start doing things. And uh, Tiger was down, you know, Tiger lived there. So I was able to sit there and watch him hit out of the bunkers. Uh, Payne Stewart helped me with my putting. Uh, Mark O'Meara with chipping. So there's a lot of guys that, that I've been sitting there. It ain't cheating. I'm just sitting there asking questions. Hey, I mean, hey, hey, you can't help. You lived in the same neighborhood as these people. I get it. I right, get it. right, right. And you know, God, I'd meet man. them at the, you know, right. you know, I'd meet them at the range. You know, it's bad because you know, the first time I played with Tiger at Howard, uh, <laughs> he was eating a cheeseburger, and I drive one by about two ninety, three hundred down the middle, and he absolutely nuked one, and. As we're leaving, my wife goes, good luck and bye. And that's when I knew I was in trouble. So he gave me 11 shots and I shot 75 at the time. I was like, yes, I looked at his score. He shot 63. Uh, he was like, ooh, you made me work for that one. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, man. people that's like don't a, realize that's like a how good these guys. Annie, by the oh, way. Yeah, it's it's oh, yeah, it's a blowout. Oh, yeah, it's a blowout. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's usually when those games happen, usually in the seventh inning, I'm on either side. I'm usually in the clubhouse. If we getting blown out, are we blowing somebody out? I'm done. But yeah, I just sat there and, and marveled at, you know, all these guys that, that I got a chance to play with and watch them wear me out for, you know, three, four years. And I'm going to ask this question. Did you, you took lessons or was it like, you kind of learn by just being an athlete and just paying attention and practicing on your own. Cause that's how that's for me. That's how I started is, you know, you go to the range, hack around, you know, like at Alworth, some of the guys that, that work there are, well, you know, they're, they're somewhat coaches in, in yeah. their own right or coaches to be. And I, that's how I initially learned. But what about for you? I have a, a little bit of advantage of a basketball player, a football player, because I had a swing before, it was just trying to translate that into golf. And, you know, if I were to say who's helped me the most would be Grant Waite. Um, Grant and I have played golf together for 20 plus years. And he'll sit there. I'll call him in the middle of the night. Hey, what if I'm doing this? He's like, hey, this is what you need to do. So I got a personal traveling coach and uh, uh, Grant. And Grant's, you know, Grant's a hell of a golfer been on the PGA and on the senior tour. So uh, he's there, you know, three or four times a week helping other pros, uh, Charles Howe, you know, triple stick. Yep. So, uh, uh, so I get to see that and I'm sitting there and I always sit in the back and just start listening first. And right. then when we get home, then I'll start asking questions. Uh, what would you tell him there? Why would you tell him this? Well, he'll, he'll explain it. And, but that's the, the one thing is, you know, in between, you know, I took lessons in 90. My dad made sure that we took lessons as a family. So, you know, my so brother. You, so you have had lessons, lessons prior to. Gotcha. Yeah, in 1990 and didn't start really playing until 94. And then uh, 
you know, just sitting around. I mean, I played, you know, the, the year that, uh, 1999, uh, I played with pain and what was crazy is I three putted like four greens and he took me after the round, he took me on 17 and for like an hour and a half, we worked on putting. He looked 17 hour. We, yeah. We, he let, we let groups come in and play and pass us. And he was just teaching me how to read greens and things like that. And, uh, you know, those type of uh, memories and things that I'll never forget because it was like, he didn't have to do it. He said, Hey, if you're going to be a better golfer and you know, I feel that this is holding you back, let's, let's go work. And I was like, all right. Cause at first he said, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I'm about to go home. He said, let's go putt. Let's go do this. And I said, okay. We drove on 17 and, you know, sat there, like I said, for an hour and a half and worked on the putting. I love golf. Um, Shut up. That was, <laughs> I, I honestly, I wish I had something to add there, but I unfortunately do not. But that's a lovely story. And it's cool to hear that you were able to work on your golf game and your baseball game at the same time. And Vince, do you think that that's, that gives him advantage? Advantage would be the word. Well, he's been at it a little longer. If he yeah, just I, played baseball and not been I at mean, it longer it, than you. I think so. I mean, yes, a hockey player. I still too. have an advantage. I still yeah. have an advantage just because yeah. of the swing, the, yeah. the mechanics of the swing. Yeah. Now, and I, I mean, that's like asking me to go. I mean, like asking me to go in there and and, and shoot a, a, a three pointer, you know, on a consistent basis. I wouldn't be able to do it because I haven't done it consistently. Let's talk about baseball. The playoffs just happened. Um, the MLB and NBA both did a great job at finishing out the season. I feel like the World Series was here, like very quickly. Um, but I just want to get your opinion on how the MLB handled, you know, their entire season and the playoffs and kind of just what you thought of the world series in general. Well, you look at it, you know, the NBA did an unbelievable job putting everybody in the bubble. Uh, you know, I think what it was there, 20 something teams that didn't make it to the bubble, didn't go into the bubble, but it was still competitive and it still looked like basketball. But the, the thing that got me is that it got a, you got a chance to see people up close, you know, whether the reactions of, of players, because usually when something happens, they go to the stands and, and you know, why the fans to watch their reaction. Now you're looking at the guys and you see some of the personalities come out. Um, baseball wise, it, you know, it's still with the pandemic, unpredictable of what was going to happen, mm -hmm. uh, the travel, where we're going to go, who's going to do what, but we made through it. And I think, you know, they, they did a good job. Um, you know, with 25 guys um, on each team and, and 30 teams, I mean, it makes it tough to try to find a bubble or a situation that, works that, that, could, mm -hmm. that works. Um, but we made it through it. Um, and the two best teams are playing, the two hottest teams at the time. And that's what, you know, baseball or sports are, is if you get hot, you get hot at the right time, it becomes a lot of fun for you guys, you know, for the players, uh, the opponents, not so much, but, you know, like I told everybody, the Dodgers have the, the best team. Uh, Atlanta may have the best pitching staff, but when you look at, you know, teams like Minnesota, the Rays, who are just pesky players who just want to go out there and, and, they're not going to beat you with the long ball day in and day out, but they're going to make the right moves and the right plays at the right time and stay really consistent. Uh, you know, I thought this was going to be a pretty, pretty good matchup 
a team that's going to hit home runs and a team that's going to manufacture runs. So it's going to be, it was going to be interesting. And, you know, you look at game, you know, game four, uh, with the slide in the home and, you know, the, the one mistake at the play, uh, I had just got up to go get something to drink and came back. I was like, it's over. And it was like, yeah, you missed. I was like, yeah. So I had to rewind the tape and watch it. And I was like, Ooh, but you know, those situations happen when, you know, you got guys that put a lot of pressure on you, you know, it's not so much the pressure of the, the play. It's the team and how they will force their will upon you. And, you know, the Rays have done that. I was going to ask you, have you been watching the World Series closely, paying attention, casually watching it? And do you find yourself looking at it as a fan still or kind of like, I mean, I guess it's tough for me because I'm still in basketball mode. Like when I watch them, oh, no, I even still, if I'm on no, the I still look at it as a player. And, and the reason why is I got friends who are fans and, and they asking me questions about, okay, what if you were a player? I'm like, well, I'm still a player. I just ain't played in a while. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I still got to go through the, you know, the the ups and downs. I tell about the emotions, the difference between showing somebody up and overall excitement. You know, they think that, you know, when somebody does something that they're excited. You know, I tell the guy, you know, we were talking about if a guy hits five home runs and, you know, he hits it, he can show excitement. A guy hits 50. You know, he shows excitement. People get mad. I'm like, no, right. it's the other way around. A guy who hits 50, he can show excitement because he's hit 50. The guy who's hit five should just run around the bases. So there's a an element of, you know, that thin line. And I try to help the the people that, you know, my friends, you know, learn that. Okay, I said, okay, a pitcher can strike you out. He can yell. But if you hit a home run, you can't yell. I said, that's not right. You know. Uh, you know, so the pitchers can do things because they never show the pitcher after a strikeout. You know, and we talked about the situation where uh, the Dodgers pitcher, when um, Bellinger robbed the home run, he threw the glove down and the batter got upset or, or and they were like, hold on, man, you just hit a home run and threw the bat and yelled and banged on your chest. You can't be mad at my pitcher for throwing a glove, which I think that's that's right. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's there's a thin line. You do something, I could do it. I remember you back in the day did something. <laughs> yeah, we won't bring that up. <laughs> Let's hear about it. Oh, no, no. We can keep that between me and him. He know exactly what happened. What is it, Vince? Come on, put yourself on blast now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Oh, you know exactly. <laughs> but, hey, but I'll say the Rays are... Uh, oh, are, come are, on. Uh, who are you rooting for? Or, or who do you? Okay, I'm a baseball fan. That that's what I was gonna say. You know, or you just I just want it to be fun. You know, the the competitiveness. Uh, you don't want to see a blowout. You want to see two teams battle. You know, but did I you did think, pick the Dodgers. Did you foresee it to go? Okay, that's what I was gonna ask. <laughs> yeah, I did pick the Dodgers in six, only because I think they had the better team. Uh, do I think that over the next three four years that Tampa will win one? Absolutely, I think that. You know, they're, they've got the, the makeup uh, that they could, they could win. And plus, they, you know, coming back that they are there this year, that they're only going to be hungry if they don't win it this year. Vince, is Tampa your team? Do you have a baseball team? Because I know that you're a Bucks guy. So is Tampa your, your yeah, baseball team as well? I root for all the Tampa teams. So you must be hyped right now then? Yeah. Or, I mean, to a yeah. degree. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you know, you know what could possibly happen if you know they pull it off tonight and win, go to a game seven. You never know what happens in a game seven, mm-hmm. as you know. Yeah. And, and and then if they happen to pull it off, that would be one amazing feat for Tampa baseball. Uh, don't say then you're gonna win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and then no. the Super Bowl. Listen, <laughs> no. can I talk? Uh-uh. The Super Bowl. Nope. Dang, can I talk? Yeah, sure. The, go ahead. <laughs> then I said the uh, the Super Bowl comes to Tampa, where you know we have a ch- chance to shine in Tampa to to host two teams in the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, sorry, the arena. Yes, the arena will shine when the Chiefs and someone else well, are there. We, well, we don't play; they don't play in the arenas. But anyway, stadium. Uh, excuse me, I'm stuck in go. basketball. Yeah. Uh, you never anyway. know. see how this is going. Yeah. Sorry, because she's a Chiefs fan, by the way. I am a Chiefs fan. Okay. I also think that how we long, should all be how realistic. How long have you been a Chiefs fan? I've been a Chiefs fan since my freshman year of college. Okay, then then not five years ago, which was last um, year. No, which was <laughs> two thousand nine, eleven years ago. Okay. See, at my house it's it's kind of crazy because I grew up I grew up a Cowboys fan because my uncle went to high school with Tony Dorsett. My wife is a C- Seahawks fan because she was raised in Seattle. Right. I am also a Seahawks fan because I played in Seattle. Played there, right. uh, my oldest one, Trey, is a Ravens fan because Willis McGahee, Ed Reed, and Ray Lewis all played at Miami, and that's all you heard about was the U. Absolutely. Uh, my daughter is a Carolina Panther fan, and it wasn't because of Cam Newton. It's because of Steve Smith, her favorite wide receiver. Diehard Steve Smith fan. He couldn't do no wrong. He got ejected. She could say, I don't know why they doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and then my little guy, uh, Tevin, it was a uh, Michael Vick fan. Left-handed quarterback. He was a left-handed quarterback, wore number seven. He still wears number seven in college. So, And he's a cornerback. He sits position, he? but he's at FAMU. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so so looking forward to, to, to getting a football started in the spring. Uh, you know, so we're looking forward to this because this is, you know, I got one that was on offense. Now I got one on defense and they'd be battling two boys in the house. And even though they're eight years apart, they'd be going at it. And then I got to go. I want to talk about that. How do you feel about that as a dad, you know, um, who play? And I know you asked this question a lot. So you know, I, I get asked it too. But as a dad, did you force feed or did it kind of just you let it let your kids organically pick the sport they want i let them pick whatever they want i let them pick what they want i never want my kids to come back to me at age 30 and say dad if i would if you would yeah you know i if you would have let me play this uh we have a couple rules at the house you can't quit if you start it you can't quit no matter if the if the coach doesn't like you or you don't like the coach just finish out the year only I take that back. Only one time that I let my daughter quit, and that was gymnastics because it took too long. <laughs> we had we had one meet and she was there for like three hours. She said, "I don't want to do this no more." I got in the car. I was like, "Cool, I'm with you. Let's go." And it was like actually it was like six it was like six hours, and she did like you know her forward roll, her balance beam. You know, the elbows over there. Like, but they got so many kids that I was like, I I need some action. I, so. But uh, we have a lot of fun. I mean, my kids started out um, like right around the, the time that they started playing sports. They started riding motorcycles. And James Stewart was a big influence on, on them. Uh, every year that Big James would 
uh, give the kids a get a kids the uh, a motorcycle, and we would go there probably. And if their games was on Saturday, we'd probably be there twice a month on Sunday and riding. And James, Big James, came to me one day. I was like, "Hey, man, uh, you know, can I use your daughter?" I was like, "For what?" He said, "She is six seconds faster than than uh, uh, little James at the same age." You know what we could do with this? I'm like, uh, "No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> if you can convince Mama to do this, I'll I'll be more than happy to." Because I know that I can't make it to every meet, every you know event. Right. Right. She's the one that's going to have to learn how to load the trailer up, do all that. He was like, no, nah, we get all the trailers loaded for you. All she <laughs> got to do all. is, <laughs> yeah, all she got to do is show up. But, and uh, she ended up saying, mama said, okay. But Tam was like, nah, I just like riding with the kid, you know, on the family. But uh, yeah, it was a little uh, Yamaha 50. And all I can hear is going through the garden. Is, and then all of a sudden she said, and it just kept going. I was like, ooh. But uh, no, we we have a, you know, we try to do a lot of things together as a family. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Speaking of family, you mentioned your son who plays in the NFL right now. You played with your dad in the MLB, the first ever father-son duo in the MLB to play together. So I want to know what that was like for you because I think that's crazy. Vince, I don't know if you can imagine your daughter or whoever... I, yeah, because that's what I'm saying. I, I can't imagine. I love to hear that because yeah. you know I knew it was like for me to play with T Mac, right, alongside of him for a couple of years. So it's a whole different dynamic when you're playing with that's your dad. Crazy. Yeah. No, it's actually uh, my dad was like, "Hey, this is your team." Like before the 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 Mariners, you know, made it official. He called me and said, "Hey, you know, do you mind if I come play with you?" And I was like, "Sure." And he was like, you know, this is, it's never happened before. I said, dad, it's never happened that a father and son played in Major League Baseball together. He said, yeah, but this is going to be different. There's going to be more eyes. I'm like, yes, come on. So, you know, we go through the whole thing and he's bat second, not bat third. And I said, as we're going, looking at the lineup, I go, hey, for 17 years, you protected me. Now I get to protect you. And he got a little chuckle out of it. Uh, and then he said, Hey, the first one who gets a hit, the other one has to buy dinner. I said, well, if that's the case, the second one gets a chance to tie. So he gets a single, I get a single. So it's one of those things that, uh, I wasn't going to let my dad outdo me. Outdo you. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he led the team, the six weeks that he played, he actually led the team in hitting it like 377. I told him it's cause I protected him. <laughs> So it was no uh, pressure. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, do you understand what kind of person you hitting in front of? Uh, uh, he was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but it was funny because when he hit the home run on in Anaheim, he touched home plate. He goes, that's how you do it, son. Oh. And I just looked, I look, just looked at him like, really? I know you just didn't do that. And uh, they gave me the green light on 3-0, and and I hit it out. And I'm trying my hardest to to, to get around the bases and what am I going to say to my daddy when I see him at home plate? 
So I touched home plate. I get in the dugout. He makes me shake everybody's hand before he shook mine. And he goes, and we sit down there next to each other. He goes, uh, you know, what we just did. I said, yeah, we went back to back. And like, I'm 20, he's 38, 39. He's reflecting on what this is in baseball history. history. I'm worried about the game, <laughs> you know? And I didn't realize uh, how he felt until I got 38 and I start passing guys on the home run chart. And then I would sit back, I'd be in the dugout going, I just passed Frank Robinson. I just passed this person. I just passed this person, Mickey Mam. And it was crazy because now I could reflect that that age were 18 years prior to that. I was like, I got to play. And people don't understand the, the transition throughout your career uh, of, of sports. You know, when, you, when you're 18, 19, 20, you like, hey, I got the ball. You get to like 35, you start looking at like, man. Got a little different. Yeah. You know, you're still balling, but it's just different. Um, mm -hmm. But I did his first at bat on the single. I did yell at him, get a hit, Pops. Get a hit, Dad. <laughs> and people behind me start laughing because it's the first time that they've heard somebody say, get a hit, Dad, and actually mean it. You know, as you get older, you get called gray hair, old man, grandpa, you know, all the names uh father and, and things like uncle, that and, yeah yeah and nobody and nobody really meant it but when i said it i turned around my whole team was laughing i was like really y'all just gonna laugh at me they were like dude we've never because they, they like literally yeah so um but we had a blast i mean he he helped me a lot i uh, learned how to hit in front of him while watching him uh for 17 years you know i had my own terminology of how to swing the bat and things like that. But watching him in front of me, how he set up pictures, how he did certain things, I was able to go, Oh, that's how you do it. So all the phone calls you, you, you know, he would call me and say, I'd be like, I don't remember none of that, but actually watching mm -hmm. a guy in yeah. front of me go, I was like, okay, I got it now. Did you ever feel like there was any, added pressure for you to succeed especially when you were on the team with him like you wanted to make him proud and anything like that no um you know the funny thing is like we put no pressure on each other um i put no pressure on my kid the only pressure i put on my kid is to go out there and do the very best you can that's it i can't control wins or losses i can't control your other teammates and their actions but i can you can control yours and you know, what I tell kids when I speak to them in high school, I said, you're auditioning for 300 Division One colleges. And then you're auditioning for 30 NFL teams. You know, and the same thing in baseball, you're auditioning for college scholarships. You know, Division One, Division Two, Division Three. Now you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're asking 30 teams, could you use my services in baseball? So, the only pressure that, you know, we put on each other is to go out there and do your very best. You know, we very seldom talk about what happens on the football field um, or the baseball field. You know, I couldn't tell, you know, the one thing that my dad did is whether he went 0 for 4 or 4 for 4, I couldn't tell when he came in. If I said, Dad, I want to go out and play catch, he'd go out and play catch. You talked about one of your sons, play, he plays football. Did you play football or any other sports growing up? And how did you land on baseball? Or was that your main focus? 
Well, I played football and baseball, uh, a little bit of basketball. My brother played football, basketball, baseball, and ran track. He actually played at Ohio State football as a cornerback. The crazy thing is I come from a small town where it's all football, except like the three biggest names in that town all played baseball. So, you know, you have Stan Musial, my dad, and myself out of 4,000 people, but you go, they don't even talk about baseball. They talk about the Steelers because it's a half an hour from Pittsburgh. Uh, my cousin broke Tony Dorsett's high school rushing records. Uh, my other cousin ended up playing at Ohio State as a quarterback to Roe Pryor. So <laughs> it's all football. Yeah. So it's all football. It's just crazy that, that you know, um, my dad got drafted in like the 26th round and end up making it and people automatically assume that you're supposed to play with your dad playing my dad was like look i want y'all to play everything and whatever you guys settle on and you that's what you want it's my job as a dad to try to give the number one the best teachers and, and put you in the best position to be successful i got a question for you where did your dad finish on the home run list oh he had 152 so, yeah, okay. So when you passed him at that point, how did that make you feel like, you know, I'm, I passed, you know, or was it like no big deal? No, it wasn't. It was funny. Uh, uh, I hit 152 to tie him and I gave him, you know, I brought the bat home and he was in bed. And, and I was like, here, Dad. <laughs> he was like, oh, thanks. And kept going. Like, like it, it wasn't, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, he talks about his main thing. And even now it's, am I okay? It's not about sports. And he, that's the way he's always been. It's never been about sports. How you feeling? You know, do you need anything? You know, he's actually on his way down here. He's driving. He picked up my brother in Cincinnati. He's driving down for the weekend, you know, so I'll get to see him, you know, this weekend. And, uh, you know, we'll have uh, three generations of, of Griffey's playing golf this weekend. It's really one generation of Griffey, which is me playing golf. The other one's death. The other two will be eating, try, eating okay, so the whole I, I time. Just, I was just about to ask you if they play too. Uh, yeah, we go out. I mean, my dad at the time when he was really playing, uh, he was a 16 handicap. So he can get around. Uh, my brother uh probably a 10. Uh, my two boys launch it. Uh, if I had Trey's distance i'd be really happy and i hit the ball pretty good but he's long and my little guys really he's long too like they've been hitting the ball like 320 330 340 what With, yeah oh yeah they got no they got no spines you know vertebrae no nothing they just <laughs> they still young enough where you know the the, oh the tendency yeah and you talking about yeah, they, like that's their average uh they cut the corner on 18 both of them. Yes, yeah, so I'll be over there like this. I'm gonna just take the easy man out. I'm gonna hit a four. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play. Yeah, play left. Right. Over I, there. Hit, I, I know yeah. exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Trey's looking for that last bunker to take over it. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I told That's you. Insane. See, right now, see, they have no no spines. You know, they just all just veins and and movement. And, you know, figure just. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. That's tough. But no, man, we, that's like dope. I said, man, we we have a good time. Uh, 
daughters go out there. My daughter goes out there. My wife goes out there. Um, we go out there, you know, just to, to get away. And, you know, in between the jet skiing, the, the, the fishing, you know, we try to do a, a lot of things together. Cause y'all still, y'all still members. Oh yeah. We're still members. Cause I still, yeah. I used to see, yeah. Right before I left, I did see them actually. As a matter of fact. Yeah, they, they go in there and, and eat me out of house and home, especially during the, the, the pandemic. They'd order a whole bunch of food. I'd be like, ooh, 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 wait a minute. I'm looking at my bill going, who was over there this week? <laughs> and, and Tevin wasn't in school yet. So I was getting a, 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 a big a, bill. A, oh, what? I'd be like, yo, y'all went there for lunch and dinner? <laughs> like, yep. Hey, I can't talk. <laughs> I used to be there, especially in the summer. You know, you got to spend it. You got to spend that. Uh, that you got to spend that it. Money they get. Yeah. So I get it. Well, what's funny is last year, well, this, well, last year and this year were the only years that we didn't have to rush and say, hey, right, we got to go in there and eat. We got to use it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right now, we, we, we passed that mark. Yeah. During the, the pandemic. Now you got to say, we got to slow down. <laughs> yeah. Now you got hey, y'all think y'all could eat at home? <laughs> right. <laughs> Country club woes. Yeah, exactly. Vince. If you ever need help with the eating of the bill, let me know. I'll head out there, gotcha. whichever one no in problem. Atlanta. I'll be there. I want to talk. You mentioned that your dad would always ask you if you were okay, um, and it was more about you and you know your well-being. I was doing my research for this episode, and I noticed that you have spoken out about mental health quite a bit. Um, and so I just wanted to touch on that and just ask you kind of why you felt like it was so important to speak out. We talk a lot about mental health on this show and just the importance of. Um, speaking out and being honest and sharing with others so that they understand that it's normal and it's appropriate to share. So I just wanted to get your kind of experience with that. Well, you know, you have kids who they go away from college, go to college for the first time, you know, get away from home and, and all these things. And, and, you know, sometimes the, the coach isn't the coach that recruited you when you're there, you know, being disconnected from your friends and family and, and things like that the first time. And it's a lot of pressure, you know, whether it's trying to get grades or trying to get on the field, um, just trying to fit in. And that's a lot of pressure on a a person who is, you know, 18, 19 and 20. Um, and, and I'm not just saying those ages because it's all ages that something could happen. But, uh, you know, you just see it more and more because of the 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 kids talking and then, you know, I still, you know, I coach pop Warner football and I still, you know, my, my kids are, you know, freshmen, all freshmen, uh, in college. So, you know, they still call me coach and, you know, they, if they have a question, we can talk, they, they got my number. They, you know, I, I just want to make it as easy as possible because sports isn't as easy as people think it is. You know, they, they think it's, you know, Hey, you make a lot of money. You get to do what you want. But there's some things, you know, the downtime, it's a very lonely spot. Um, you know, you got to go out there and play. You got to perform. Uh, there's, you know, in basketball, there's 12 guys. In baseball, there's 25. But there's only, you know, 13 positions, you know, 13 position players. The other ones are pitchers. Um, the ups and downs, the the highs and lows, you know. The loneliness all those as things. a young guy. Yeah. Trying to survive yeah, out there when you don't know me. Right. Know. What the you don't know anybody. Have. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, I was in the big leagues at 19 and, you know, I didn't know anybody. Uh, fortunately for me, I had guys, you know, Harold Reynolds, Alvin Davis, um, Mickey Bradley, uh, Jeffrey Leonard all take me under their wing, you know, coaches, you know, Rusty Koontz and, 
and Gene Kleins were like, hey, this is what we do. This is how we stay here. You know, we don't need you to go up and down and be part of that. We need you here. Uh, and then when my dad got there the next year, it was, you know, uh, the same thing. Um, I go on the road, you know, on the road. So you see the guys going to a club, hang out, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm 19. I can't go nowhere. I'm, you know, I'm well known in the cities because of me being that young. So, you know, whether it be Chili Davis, Dave Winfield, Kirby Puckett, Ricky Henderson, all picking me up at the end of the game and saying, hey, we're going to eat and I'm going to drop you off at the hotel. But I'm going to make sure that your belly full because your daddy would have done it for me. That's dope. I, I, I think it. it's pretty cool that you at least you had a year of experience before you got there with your dad. I mean, I, you still, I mean, still learning the game and you know, the ins and outs of it. But then you get to learn the game from his years of experience. Like you said, you're hearing like the names you just named from Ricky Henderson's Puckett or that, you know, who he's played with and they, the respect he has from them. And like they said, you know, your dad would do it for us. We're extending the, the hand, our hand to you. I mean, yeah. and you get to play with I mean, them that, that following yeah. year and obviously get to see the respect he has from all of these well-known athletes, uh, uh, players in, in the business firsthand. Like, uh, it, but it was, you're playing there it, too. <laughs> yeah, but they, you can't beat that. I was like, I was like little brother. <laughs> right, right. Of so it, it was, a, you know, uh, um, in the beginning, in the beginning. No, yes. I, no, they still, they I'm still little brother. Yeah, I'll yeah, always be yes. little brother. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, but it's so funny because they, you know, I see them. You know, when I go to the Hall of Fame and they're always looking at me and they, they'll look at me and go, uh, how your mama doing? How your wife doing? Look at them too. I'm like, I'm good. They're like, we don't care about you. Because yeah. back then, my mom used to cook on, on, for the teams that came in. So if she knew you, she'd cook. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll tell you a story. Barry Bonds comes in and, you know, I've known Barry since I was a little kid. and my mom cooked for him on. They had a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Barry hit five home runs. She cooked for him on Friday. He hit five home runs that that series. Wow. She comes in on Sunday, looks at Barry, says, Hey, <clears throat> from here on out, you get it on getaway day. You ain't tearing my team up like this no more. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna feed you good. You tell something like this. Yeah. And, and so the tradition just kept going, you know, when Bo came into town. So when he was with the White Sox, Bo and and Frank and Frank called me. He's like, "Hey, man, uh, is mom in town?" I was like, "Yeah." She was like, uh, "Can we get an order?" So, you know, I brought in. How about this macaroni and cheese? It was like Thanksgiving macaroni and cheese, green potato salad, uh, and a twelve-pound turkey. So at the end of the game, my phone's ringing. I'm like, "Yo, what's up?" Frank goes, "Hey, man, where the food at?" I said, "Man, I dropped that off at four o'clock." And Bo's in the back laughing. Bo ate a 12-pound turkey by himself during the game while Frank is playing. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, but, you know, the things that my, my dad has taught me and my mom, uh, you know, because you very seldom, you know, and I don't know how it works for basketball, but we could be gone for 14 days. So no home-cooked meal for 14 days is kind of tough. So anytime that, you know, like I remember – you know, Willie Stargell, uh, Dale, Dale Murphy, and a couple other guys, uh, Ozzy Virgil, at my house. And my mom is cooking chitlins and some other stuff. Now, I don't eat chitlins at all. That's one of the things that I haven't yet to even sample, but I'm good with it. 
Uh, and that was one of the things that, like, what from what I understand, that Dale Murphy wanted. He wanted some chitlins. So my mom cooked them. You know, like, okay. Now, as I got older, my dad would say, hey, uh, you know, um, I need you to call your mom and this is what I want to eat because she ain't going to cook for me, but she'll cook for you. <laughs> 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 so I'd be like, mom, you know, blah, blah, I'd be like telling my dad, hey, it's going to cost you. He's like, whatever, though. Uh, so I find myself doing it to my kids now. I'm like, hey, tell your mama that you want this. And my little guy said, "Hey, it's gonna cost you fifty dollars." I'm like, fifty dollars for that? Fifty dollars? He's like, "Hey, hey. he said I, I, fifty dollars for the middleman." Yeah, he's like, "Hey, if you want it, don't you?" I'm like, "All right, okay." So, but we have I mean, like the things that that you know is a little different now. Um, guys, you know, guys are more friendly. You know, wanting to play with each other were. When my dad played, it was cutthroat. But, you know, the team that he did know and played for and, you know, when he came into town, that uh, he makes sure that uh, the guys that he, he liked got fed. So I'm going to change the subject a little bit, but I want to ask you, I'm looking over this list of home run leaders um, where you're ranked seventh um, of all time after names like Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, A-Rod. I mean, insane. What does it mean to you to be in that number seven um, of all time right now? I really don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. You know, it is what it is. You play long enough, you're going to break some records, make some records, uh, whether they're good records or bad records. You're going to have some. <laughs> right. I know you right. heard that. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> You've heard me say it too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You play long enough, you're going to have good records and yeah. bad records. You know, the, to, to be associated in, uh, uh, with guys, you know, like that is, is unbelievable, but I don't really dwell on it. You know, I think that um, I was more like, I like defense more than offense, uh, only because I could show a little more excitement. Um, you rob somebody of a home run. I think that's probably the best player, best play in baseball. You know, everybody says the most exciting play is a triple. No, the most exciting play is robbing somebody of a home run. Yeah, but there's not many people who can do it. So I guess that's why they like they say, "Oh, a triple," you know. But like that's that's take that takes some effort, and you've done it often. So it was like, well, you know, it's funny. Second it nature. Is, I never robbed anybody until I got in the big leagues. When they show that clip of me robbing Jesse Barfield, uh-huh. uh, and by the way, that was like number two hundred for him. That would have been his two hundredth home run. He ended up doing it the very next at bat, but oh, not uh, that. One. Not that one, but you know, and Jesse took care of me when I went to Japan with him. <laughs> That's what's funny is that you know all these guys, you know, we talk over and over about how, like I said, I'm little brother, uh, but it was the first time I robbed somebody of a home run. That's why you see all the excitement of me running, laughing, looking around, looking in the bullpen, uh, the high fives because it's the first time I've ever done it. Now I got I got accustomed to doing it. Uh, it was nice. But those things that, you know, that we practice, you know, during spring training is be able to climb the wall, get to the wall, make sure you're in the right position because you never know. And for me, that was uh, one thing that I always like to do is go up there and, and bring one back. Uh, was it Mookie? Yeah, Mookie Betts got Mookie Betts they had the one like four days ago. Oh, it was OK. So it's game four or five. Then. OK. Yeah. But so you said you got robbed what now? I got robbed one time in A-ball. And Brian Jordan got me in the big leagues. The only times that I've a guy went over the wall and brought it back. And the fact that I can remember that because I'm still upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. 
Right. You're like, I don't care about being ranked seventh, but that one time but that, that he robbed time, me, he... I'll remember that yeah. one. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that bothered me. That's the you. thing about, about me is like, you know, I remember a whole lot of things that uh, people think I don't remember. Uh, but, you know, only because I just don't like to answer a whole lot of questions. Um. It's just part of my nature. My, like I said, my dad never came home and talked about himself. So it was hard for me to, you know, early in my career to sit there and, you know, hey, let me pound on my chest. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it just in any sport, these games are humbling. You can go four for four one day and be 0 for four the next day. You know, in basketball, you could be, you know, 15 for 20. Mm-hmm. And the next day you three for three for three 17. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and people love it when they you know you know you come down there and you start talking and all of a sudden they go uh, what happened mm-hmm. like i don't know what happened so it's easier for me not to say nothing and just keep playing and and at the end of the year we could talk about it but right now i ain't talking right. about it right so i like to call many people like to call vince a future hall of famer he won't say it but i believe he is a future hall of famer you're a current hall of famer yes he is so yes, he is, he is yes uh, he's just like you. He's like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. Um, oh. oh, okay. Uh, I'm really bad on this. So I wouldn't go into the hall of fame until I was a hall of famer. Wow. And we played there. We played there three times and, and I wouldn't go in the building. I would always turn away. Even when I got there and the voting was already in, when they drove past it, I actually turned my head to the left because I didn't want to see the building. Until I actually was able to walk in. I've never in been. That's, that's funny. And it's kind of the same. I've never been. I so played in the Hall of Fame game in college. No, it's just, oh, it's yeah. just, it was just one of those things. Well, for him, yeah. yeah. It's just one of those things. Yeah, I'm kind of like, just, I don't know. And I've been, to like, the, I've been to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah. When uh, they inducted uh, Phil Knight, I was there. Oh, okay. Well, sure, yeah, you've been around long enough. <laughs> Yeah, so when they inducted Phil, Uncle Phil, I I I, I rolled in there. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna need two tickets. I'm letting you know that now. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, throw me on that list, please. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, that's four tickets. Yes. <laughs> 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 um, I want to ask you though, and I know you're very modest, so you probably won't say it, but towards you know the point of 2016 when you were inducted, did you ever doubt that you were going to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, no. No, you always knew. No. Well, I mean, you look at the the numbers, you know, stacked up to everybody else. You know, you always doubt until they, that phone call happens. Uh, but there was a, a a good possibility that I was going to make it. <laughs> and I'll tell you this: like people go, "What do you do after you get inducted to Hall of Fame? Uh, you wash dishes and, and go to bed because you got to be up at 6 a.m. to catch a flight to New York to do all the <laughs> interviews. So that was my day. I got up, you know, did what I tried to do. Uh, you know, I was home. The phone call came. We went to dinner. I came home, did, you know, cleaned up the house a little bit, then got on the plane at 6 a.m. to do interviews all day and then, you know, flew back the next day. And then, Three days, you know, three months, five months, six months later, you know, the the oh, interviews. Yeah. yeah. So who called when they called and what was your reaction when they called? Um, 
the head of the baseball, the head of baseball writers association. And they, you, you don't really know what to say. Cause you don't know what he's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, What's up? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, it's one of the, it's the greatest phone call that you'll get as a player. But also it's the most nerve wracking call that you'll get because you don't know really, it ain't like you can prepare, you know, for this. It ain't like you, you can write, Hey, this is what he's going to say. This is what you say. It's not like a normal interview. And, and that's the thing is like, you just sit there and go, okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, um, uh, yeah, it, it, that's it, the funny thing you just, and I, and I can imagine I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I'm thinking as you're saying that I'm sitting there like, if this happened, you know, I I I probably would have the same reaction, and I want to oh, sound grateful, does. but I don't know what to say. Like, right? I, I'm, I, yeah. I believe me, I'm grateful, but like, <laughs> it it has yeah. it didn't hit me yet. Like, you just called no. me and told oh. me something. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because you know, you you got people looking at you. You know, my friends are practically jokers, so they called my phone first, and I just looked at them. So when the phone rang. I looked, looked at the number, then looked at him like, okay, you're going to go there with it. <laughs> and it was like, we just want to see your reaction time. But, you know, having the call and, and, and you know, once it was over with and did a couple interviews uh, at the house um, and then went back and did what I was supposed to do is, as a husband. <laughs> right. Clean up. So, hey, let me ask you this. <laughs> the night before, the night before it all happened. Like or I know that day. I'm gonna say the night before first. Like how? Like I was playing. I was playing Call of Duty till like six a.m. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, but, I'm not gonna lie. Me and my boys, Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It. Oh man. So it. But did it like the nerves of 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 the uh, you know something we look for as athletes, the pinnacle. Like, did you ever have like uh, the nerve? Like right before, during? No. No, nervous, I mean, you, you have the excitement of like the first game. And that's as probably as excited as I got, because, you know, like I tell everybody, if you study for a test, you already know. And, you know, knowing pitchers and, and, and things like that, knowing my swing, um, knowing what I can hit, what I can't hit, you know, half the battle is knowing the situations. And for me, I'm coming up there as a, a number two hitter. In the big leagues, having you know Alvin Davis behind me and Harold Reynolds in front of me, learning situational hitting, and you know having my dad who was a number two hitter, I was like prepared to 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 be a number two hitter. And then all of a sudden, got a little taller, got a little more pop in the bat. They moved me to fifth, and then they moved me to third. And said, "Here's your, here's going to be your home for the next fifteen years, batting third. But uh, you know, like I tell everybody, you know coming in having a scouting report of my dad still playing uh like hey this is what he throws this is what he does you know this is how he pitched me he may pitch you a little differently because of the the count but here's his curveball breaks this way his changeup does this you know and, and instead of having you know a guy who's sitting at, at home or watching on tv you know, or in the stands telling you, hey, his curveball does this. He's the 80, you know, 90, 92 to 96, you know, blah, blah, blah. My dad was giving me all the information that I need, you know, of all the guys that that he's faced and, and watched. Didn't get any better than that. So dope. Mm -mm. 
So my last question for you, and then we will wrap, is this episode will drop on November 2nd, which is one day before the election this year. So I just want to know, have you voted yet? And can you stress how important it is to our listeners? I am actually voting tomorrow. Okay, there you go. So uh, I am voting tomorrow. Yes, it is important. Um, you know, the, the country depends on it. I mean, this is, you know, your duty to go out and vote. Um, doesn't matter who you vote for as long as you vote. Uh, I've got friends who are Republicans. I got friends who are Democrats. I got me as an individual. That's the problem is that I'm the only like I was like ten of us who are individuals, but we all play golf together. <laughs> uh, but you know, I you know I try to vote for the best man or woman, whoever it is, and each you know the the county and in our state and things like that, and and vote for the presidency. So tomorrow is a, a very interesting day for us because uh, usually I do it online. I'm actually going to go in and do it. Oh, dope. You know, in person. Would you vote at the arena or just a, a different location, a local location? No, there's a different, lo- there's a local location uh, uh, that mm. uh, Melissa found that I'm going to go ahead and she's going to take me there. I said, oh, now you go, you're going to drive me. She's like, no, you're going to drive. <laughs> I'm just going to give you directions. I'm going to show you where to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So by the time everyone hears this on November the 2nd, all three of us will have voted. So yep. do like this one current Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer have done and get out there and vote. It's so important. Exercise your right. We need it. We need, need it. it. Yeah. And Vince, you got any more questions for the Hall of Famer before we close? I don't, man. It's great, man. I was just, I, you know, I, I love you know when we bring people on here with who was a part of history and kind of hear how they think, you know, how they see things and what they think about like the well I mean, i'll ask this when when you were sitting on a plate when did you when did you know you had a guy's number like you can you get at the plate and you can see that they they're intimidated they're, they're kind of like okay you know they're well, behind an account or whatever you already no, know i got no, no. i knew that from a very early age that i was going to be that guy that they weren't going to let me beat them you know and, and that's the thing when you go into a scouting report they were like uh yeah you can do whatever you want but this guy right here he better not beat you and i look at it like i've got six walk-off home runs out of 630 i've got six and one of them was an inside to parker so basically five walk-off home runs out of 630 that means that they are not be like look we let somebody else beat but you're not gonna do it uh intentional walk uh or what we call the we're gonna pitch around him but i knew you know early i mean when i mean early like little league that i was better than everybody but i still was you know i still had that mentality well i'm 11 like everybody else how come i can't play with everybody else and they're like no you just a lot better than these kids are you know I didn't really understand that till I got to pro ball. Uh, even in high school, you know, being intentionally walked with the bases loaded a couple times. Um, but when I got to pro ball and they were like, you that guy. So somebody else is going to do it. And usually it's like your third and fourth hitters. If you bat three and four, you the guy that they go, he can carry this team and he can't beat us. Did you talk jump? I'm talking about like, so like let's say, here's Griff coming up to the, uh, up the bat. You go to the catch, you better tell him. <laughs> better tell him. No, nah, no, nah, I didn't nope. do that. No, nah, I didn't do that. No, nah, I didn't. No. Nah. Because, see, baseball is the only sport where defense has the ball. So they can't hit you if they want to. This is fact. <laughs> this is a fact. But, 
uh, you know, but it, it's it's one of those games where you know defense has the ball. They they don't want you to play. You don't have to play. They they won't let you play. Did I know? I knew. I can tell you this: that my dad, at when I was fourteen, told me that I was going to be better than him. Did you believe him? Yeah. No, I didn't believe him. I was just looking at him like, okay, he just tried. You know, it's that that good confidence builder, dad being right. bad. Hey, right, good right, shot. Right. You know, dude. yeah, yeah. That, that. Appreciate you, but dad, I whatever. Yeah, but I didn't understand. And then as I got older, and then I asked him a question when we actually at the end of his career, he said, uh, I asked him a question. He turned around. And he goes, you know. You know, I've got three World Series titles. I've got this. I've got that. Uh, he said, but my greatest accomplishment was being able to have a front row seat to watch you play. He oh. said all the things that I missed growing up and things like that, because I couldn't hit in front of my dad. When we were, like when I was in Little League, I couldn't hit because I tried to hit the ball to the moon. I'm swinging hard. <laughs> there was a game my senior year. Uh, he's there. He's with the Braves. Uh, he watched my first two at bat. I strike out. I get to the ballpark after the game. He said, how'd you do? I said, uh, three for five, two home runs and a double. <laughs> he was like, you can do that in front of me. I uh, like, nah. Uh-uh. And then the first hit I got as a professional in front of him, he was in a RV in left center with the driver window open so he could see. And then I round first base and I hear him yell at me. Was well, now, was that so hard? <laughs> Cause he's always, he would always tell me, Hey, just pretend I'm your mom out there. Cause, my mom would tell him, hey, your boy's a monster. He could flat out play. And my dad would be like, I ain't seen him hit nothing. He can't be that good. <laughs> he can't be that good because I ain't seen him I hit ain't nothing. Seen it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but it was, you know, it, it was me, you know, trying to impress dad. And finally, when I got my first hit, it was, you know, all the pressure was off. And, I, you know, when we talk, that's one of the things about pressure. My dad never put pressure on me. And, and that, going back to that is... You know, and that's why I learned not to put pressure on my kids about, you know, wins and losses and what they're doing. Just go out there and do your best. And, you know, and, and the other thing is let other people talk about you. You don't want to sit there and brag and boast about what you did. Let that's for somebody else to do it. You do it for them to talk about it. Mm hmm. Yeah. You see, I just want to tell you that growing up, you had my kids jumping on my bed, uh, throwing the ball between the legs, dunking on an imaginary rim on my walls. <laughs> I ain't going to mention no names, but yeah, you talk about uh, uh, influence. Yes, you have influence at my house. I'm over there like this. My wife is looking at me like I'm crazy. She's like, what is he doing? I said, well, he practicing his dunking. And she said, what is he doing? I said, he's doing the between the legs, Vince Carter. You know, she told me that one day and I laughed it <laughs> off. So hearing it again, I was like, you know, I didn't just, you know, people tell you that, but they don't really, you know, you know, mean it. My bad. BC, I tell you this, you would laugh because my daughter was probably six, maybe, maybe. And I said, when you hit a three, I need you to go like this. And she did it. She hit a three, stopped in the center of the ring, uh, the court, looked at me and went, I was like, yes. <laughs> wow. Oh. I may have it on film. So if I have it on film, I will give it to you. <laughs> okay. That'd be great. Well, that was another edition of the Winging It podcast with Vince Carter and our very special guest, the Hall of Famer, Ken Griffey Jr. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to... Five stars, good people. And we will talk to you next time. Ken, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great rest of your night and a wonderful time voting tomorrow.